Think of us in this way as servants of Christ and stewards of God's mysteries. Moreover, it is required as stewards that they be found trustworthy. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. I do not even judge myself. I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive commendation from God. This is the word of God for the people of God. So today we're in the final segment of this four-part series we've been working on in February, Growing in Christ. In January, we started reading these letters in our scriptures and thinking about starting our year with Christ and how we could grow closer to Christ. Then this month, we've been exploring these passages from 1 Corinthians and exploring ways we can grow in Christ. 1 Corinthians gives us lots of different images for what it means to be a Christian or a disciple. We've talked about infant in Christ and child of God. We've talked about heirs because we were tying to Paul's writing in Romans. He talked about we're heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, he said. A couple of weeks ago, we began to talk about humble servants and what it looks like for us to be servants in the church or servants of Christ. Last week, we explored this idea that we together, that Paul talked about, are the holy temple of God, the place where God's spirit dwells among us. Did you watch the Winter Olympics at all? I'm not enthralled with the Winter Olympics the way I am with the Summer Olympics, but I still watch some of those different events and see how they're doing. For me, this time, the events weren't that interesting, but those commentators always have done their research and have a little backstory, a little human interest story. So I watched several of those. I picked up on two themes. A number of the athletes they were talking to said that they had watched the Winter Olympics when they were young, and they had seen somebody do something spectacular or great, and they were emulating them. That inspired them when they were four years old or eight or ten. And now they are at the Olympics. But others, when they interviewed them, came at it from the other side. They said they were driven to do all of this because they wanted to be an example for somebody else. They were hoping that their performance and all they were doing might inspire someone younger who was watching this Winter Olympics to go on to Olympic greatness. In a sense, that second group, they see themselves, to use Paul's concept, as stewards of the Olympic ideal. They want to inspire others. They want to be role models. They want to keep the Olympic vision alive. They want others to follow in their footsteps and put in the work and show the discipline and the enthusiasm to reach the Olympics and perhaps to even win a medal. I think Paul is doing the same thing with the Corinthians. He wants to inspire them. He's criticizing them, but he wants to inspire them. He wants them to follow in his footsteps 
to show the discipline, the compassion, the passion, the enthusiasm for the cause of Christ. He wants these Corinthians to quit breaking into factions and come together for the cause of Christ so that others might hear the proclamation of this good news as well. This is how he says it in that very first verse we read in this fourth chapter. Think of us in this way as servants of Christ and stewards of God's mysteries. Stewards of God's mysteries. He's talked about servants already in this letter, but not stewards of God's mysteries. He's talked about the things hidden or the mysteries of God already. And for Paul, that was that Christ crucified could open the door to salvation. Remember, Paul says of himself at other places in the scriptures that he was a Pharisee, that he was a zealous Jew, that he in fact was a persecutor of the followers of Christ. Until he met the risen Christ himself one day on the road to Damascus when he was on his way to persecute some others. And it changed everything for him. It was a new revelation that God was at work in this Jesus of Nazareth in a way that he never imagined. And it changed Paul's world. He wants to be a steward of God's mysteries. He wants these Christ followers at Corinth to be others that share this good news of God's love coming to us in Christ. The key point he adds in the next verse is that stewards must be trustworthy. Verse 2, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. So perhaps part of the criticism Paul has received from word back through others is that some of the Corinthians don't think he's trustworthy. They don't think his teaching was on the mark. They're somehow questioning his character, maybe his motives. Paul's questioning whether or not they're trustworthy a little as well during this letter he's writing to them. But the point we need to remember is that Paul's raising up this idea of how important it is that we trust one another. I began to wonder as I was working on the sermon early in the week, what image do we use the most? Paul's offered us so many. So I sent out a survey to all of our elected leaders, chair people of committees and stuff, and to our staff. I listed about 12 different images that Paul uses, everything from fools for Christ to disciples or apostles. Not everyone responded, but a good group did. The number one image our people resonate with is child of God. Second place was humble servants, followed closely by instrument of God. Several people, when they responded to me, put in the email that they really liked the phrase we're using in our first core value where we had beloved child of God. That resonates with lots of folks. Steward was on the list. It was nowhere close to the top. But it is one of Paul's images for who we are stewards of this faith we have received from those who have come before us. What image do you use in your life with Christ? When you're thinking about your Christian identity, what image comes to mind? Is it disciple or apostle, child of God, steward? 
doesn't really matter which image, but Paul gives us a lot to choose from to help shape and form our Christian identity. But whichever image you use, he wants to make sure that we get the point that we need to be able to work together in the body of Christ. We need to be found trustworthy. A kind of trust that exudes goodwill, cooperation, vulnerability, support, and interaction as we move forward together in our life in Christ. After Paul talks about trust, Paul moves from trust to judgment in verse 3. But with me, Paul says, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. I do not even judge myself. I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes. I think there's two pieces here of what Paul is saying. Let's increase trust and let's decrease judgment. Pretty great advice, actually, for the first century church, but also for you and me and the church today, for our life together in the church. Pretty good advice for our personal relationships, our business relationships, our social interactions. Wouldn't it be better if we were all increasing trust and decreasing judgment? Paul says that's the way to go. That's one path these Corinthians could move to so they could stop quibbling and quarreling with one another and work on building trust and decreasing judgment of each other. At the very end of this little section that we read, Paul says if we would do that, if we would leave room for God, that then the purposes of the heart, is the phrase he uses, the purposes of the heart will be revealed. And in that last sentence, he paints this picture of a positive future for all of us when he says, then each one will receive commendation from God. If we can increase the trust, and decrease the judgment, he says we can look forward to commendation or praise from God. Increasing trust and decreasing judgment, Paul says, will leave room for God to be the judge and for each of us to receive commendation or praise from God. That sounds like a pretty great way to go to me. I would like it if people trusted me more and judged me less. I bet you would too. To come at each other with goodwill giving the other the benefit of the doubt, trying to understand before we judge, looking for how we can work together and come together and find common ground and move forward. Certainly our world needs that today. Perhaps we can do it in our own little part of the world. I want to close today with just a little section of a gift book I received around Christmas. The title of the book is The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. 
Have you seen this? It's, it's worth a read. You can read it in one setting. It's about 100 pages, but it's kind of a storybook with lots of pictures. This is how it starts. The boy meets the mole and says, hello, and the mole says, as he's looking up at the boy, I'm so small. But the boy says, oh, yes, but you make a huge difference. What do you want to be when you grow up, the mole says to the boy. Kind, says the boy. What do you think success is, asks the boy. To love, to love, says the mole. Do you have a favorite saying, asks the boy. Yes, said the mole. What is it? If at first you don't succeed, have some cake. <laughs> I see, says the boy. Does that work? Oh, yes, every time. I got you a delicious cake, said the mole. Did you, said the boy. Yes. The boy says, where is it? The mole says, I ate it. <laughs> oh, okay, says the boy. But I got you another. Did you? Well, yes. Where is it, says the boy. I think the same thing happened. What do you think is the biggest waste of time, says the boy. Comparing yourselves to others, says the mole. Sometimes I want to say, I love you all, says the mole, but I find it difficult. Do you, said the boy. Yes, yes I do. So I say something like, oh, I'm, I'm glad we're all together. Okay, says the boy. I'm glad we're all together too. And the pastor says, I'm glad we're all together as well. Amen. And thanks be to God.